Opinionated Marketers, a podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Hello and welcome to the first Opinionated Marketers of 2024. Charles, lovely to see you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Um, We are going to do our annual thing of predicting the year, which is always a bit of a hostage to fortune. But here is our best guess of things that one might like to look out for in 2024. Well, the first one is it won't be there. Uh, Not the year, but the amount of things that will not be on on the shelves or wherever. So I think one of the biggest issues that will continue will be uh, the problem with supply chains um, and um, the implications of that, whether it happens to be into your... um, uh, raw materials or whether it's its, it's actual final goods. Um, I think the uh, continuing situations around the world will mean that um, we will have to get used to the fact that everything being available everywhere all the time um, has gone. Um, and now we will look at the issues such as more resilience in our supply chains and therefore local sources of supply, which means you probably won't be able to get your um, Monge 2 uh, 365. Um, uh, the element that I think brings positive to that is local sourcing. Um, We see local sourcing in many uh, foods, um, but we see it also, I think, increasingly um, in terms of the way in which people will start to look at whether it happens to be uh, associates, consultants, um, um, rather than farming it out to the other side of the world, um, and probably the increase in the use of... um, AI and automation, which is 100% reliable um, in that respect. Um, I do think the the elements that we've we've got uh, to get used to um, is this unpredictability. Um, uh, someone was talking about a perma VUCA crisis, which I thought was a terrible term, but uh, I get the point. The element is that uh, there is an awful lot that's going on, which is good, um, but it is not always predictable. Um, has ever been thus, but I think we now need to think about what that means for our own companies. I mean, obviously, there's a huge environmental and um, upside to that, um, but there's also a huge element of training all of us to get used to the idea that you can't have everything 24-7, 365. Um, so I think there's some good sides of that. There's also some downsides. There's a massive rise in people prepping as well, as more and more people are starting to realise that they can't necessarily trust central government in any country to look after their interests. So there seems to be, particularly in the Western world, quite a rise of it, sort of individuals looking after individuals, which I think is quite an, an interesting change. I would uh, concur. Um, I think one of the points I made last year was that um, if we are going to respond successfully to the climate crisis, um, a lot of it is going to have to come from individuals as well as from governments. Uh, Governments are very slow to act. They're uh, restrained by political issues. Um, I don't necessarily see a change of government having a great deal of effect, Um, certainly in the UK. um, The result of which is it's down to us individuals and it's down to the businesses to improve their own resilience and to... Uh, you know, change their sources of supply, um, of power, water, etc., um, and to mitigate the potential impacts of climate change, whether it happens to be uh, floods or um, heat waves, um, or indeed uh, high winds. Um, so yes, I think there there are elements where businesses can make a significant inroads into their improving their own resilience. Um, from a marketer's perspective, I, I do think that, um, as we were talking earlier, the the element of 
how communications are handled is going to, to change during, well, this year and, uh, and ongoing. Um, more and more of it becoming, I think, uh, a mix of digital and physical. Um, you can't rely on one anymore um, uh, if you ever could. And I think, therefore, an increasing number of people are going to events. And I think we will see a rise in that. You mentioned um, politics. It is the year of elections around the world. Um, I've forgotten the percentage of the world's population that is voting on a change of government this year, but it's huge. It's certainly over 50 percent. A lot of those are in very populous countries. um, So the number of elections um, isn't that large. I mean, I think it's um, uh, India, Mexico, Indonesia are the 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 main populous countries and then you've got america um and obviously the uk from a business perspective looking at the potential rivals for each of the uh, presidential roles would have an implication as to what your policies might come um and what that change might be uh the uh the obvious one that everyone wants to talk about but no one really knows the answer to of course is the u.s election um uh but um that I think is a separate subject. Yes, I think that's that's probably one for a, for a whole another another section. But I think what it is also doing, and your comment about it's not going to make a huge change, that's probably the issue um, that um, we think it's going to be a change of government and it's all going to make things wonderful and different. And of course, on the whole, it's um, not very much changes at all. Um, and I think if I have a left field concern this year, and I know this is something that's been discussed elsewhere, we do have a, an uprising against the haves and haves nots. Um, it's been bubbling for a while, but is this going to be the year when people finally turn around and go, I've had enough of billionaires, nobody needs to be a billionaire. And we don't like billionaires telling us how we're going to live our lives. What an interesting thought. I don't necessarily see how you're going to uh, um, uh, single them out. Um, unless you're talking something military. Um, I really uh, think that, yes, there is there is a problem about um, the haves and haves-nots. I don't see it necessarily coming to a head. The only way in which I could see it possibly uh, having an effect on the political side is whether or not one election is contested strongly enough to cause a revolution. And I don't see that happening, um, I think, even probably in America. I, th- I think what we might find is individuals being picked off. I mean, we were watching in the UK the Michel Moan saga going on, which frankly should have happened ages ago. I mean, you know, it's it's inevitable. Um, we're watching uh, we're watching the the wheels of justice ri- gr- possibly grind too slowly for a populace that can get fed up. Oh yes, I would agree with that, and I'd agree to some degree that uh, people might take to uh, protests, but I don't see it fundamentally changing the nature of the. Uh, democratic state um the nearest we obviously got was uh this time last year with in was it this time no no it wasn't it was a few years ago now um in america but the element um that that caused i think in terms of the um the my god how bad would it be um i think has caused a, a retrenchment of people's expectations that yes it may grind slowly but it needs to you know at least it grinds um, there would need to be, I think, uh, in, in many people's minds, some sort of fundamental change to legislative processes. Um, that's where I think the frustration comes, because you've got no one who is seemingly electable 
that is actually pro, um, suggesting that. Um, you've got places around the world where there are autocracies, um, and the only one that's being very strongly successful economically is China. So the question therefore becomes, do you wish to see your country become a Chinese-style state? Uh, we are getting on to politics here, not necessarily the uh, the future from from uh, a general right, perspective. Since you raised China, um, there was a very interesting article in The Guardian today, which was talking about the difference in the way that China views AI and uses AI compared to the way that the American corporations are pushing things like ChatGPT. And so China mm -hmm. uses AI. Um, they've got a massive range of um, influencers who are using AI, they are literally, they are AI influencers um, or real influencers, but they create their own digital twin and their digital twin keeps churning out content literally day in, day out. Um, and I thought that was quite an interesting look at where AI is going. We haven't got onto AI. We're going to have to at some stage because this is obviously going to be another big year of it. But I do wonder if this is the year where we actually start looking at other things that we could do with AI. There's a big court case going on at the moment with the New York Times saying that you can't, that um, challenging the use of, uh, that, that, you, that the companies can just scrape anything um, in order to train their AI and saying that this is actually... Um, affecting the New York Times copyright. So uh, we don't know when that's going to rule. Real, wheels of justice ride slowly, but it'd be quite interesting to see what comes out of that. Gosh, a lot there. Right. OK, so um, yes, China uses, tends to use nearly any new technology as a measure of social control. Control is very important to them on the basis of they need to maintain their control of power um, in order to be able, as they would say, to continue to deliver the iron rice bowl. Um, and in most instances, most Chinese people are fairly happy with that, as indeed most, most countries are very happy when their, their politicians deliver them a reasonable standard of living. Um, and they're really not that concerned with the nature of politics until it goes wrong. Um, so there are elements there where you could see the negative side of AI being used. Um, there's the uh, element of AI in the sort of um, trivial sense. Uh, there's two very interesting clips uh, that you can see if you happen to have over Christmas watched Indiana Jones' uh, new film and the uh, Mission Impossible new film, both of which have exactly the same scene of a knife fight on the top of a train. Um, it's quite interesting, including the fact that the knife slides from one side to the other. Um, that is produced, it would seem to me, totally by CGI and AI. Um, the characters on there are obviously not the, the real characters, and it would appear, given the fact that the two are so close, that they probably aren't actually humans at all. Um, so the question is, you know, is it trivia? Um, yes. Is it entertainment? Yes. Um, is it going to help us do our jobs? Well, probably. Um, one of the major professional services companies uh, is reported now to have produced its own internal AI to reduce the time it takes their consultants uh, to produce PowerPoint uh, slide decks, to produce memos, to produce reports. And then they have to fact check it to make sure it hasn't hallucinated. But generally speaking, it's used to improve productivity. Um, 
And so, you know, from the trivial through to, you know, the, the productivity sides, AI will have great implications. And as we've said before, just keep experimenting with it because, you know, it will be uh, the dominant software um, uh, from a productivity point of view. Um, the element, I think, yes, um, you, you talk about copyright, and maybe one of the arguments here is the, the, the usual one, which is it will take a very long time for that case to come to court, to be decided. And by the time it actually anybody gets awarded any um, amount of money, um, it probably won't mean a great deal. Um, so I, I don't know whether or not it's going to be uh, significant. But you really wouldn't want to see a major advance in productivity stopped on the basis of copyright you would think uh, that should be settled. It's interesting. I think that's actually, I mean, in the UK, we're currently, everyone's got very excited about the post office horizon scandal, which was when the post office, um, going back to the 19, 1999, I think it originally started, mm -hmm. um, where they put in a, a software system that checked up what the sub postmasters were doing, accused many sub postmasters of um, stealing and refused to accept that the software was wrong. Now, this story has been around for a long time. It's suddenly come to the UK population because there was a TV show on it. But actually, I wonder if it's because of AI and we're suddenly all thinking, gosh, that could be me, not as a sub post officer, but as a bank account or as something that I do at work where the AI sort of takes over and says something and it's the computer says and everyone starts believing the computer and not me as an individual. That, I'm afraid, I think has been around for quite a while. Um, you are touching on to an area which I think is also one of the trends for the coming year. I was talking with a delegate yesterday that the number of companies that have now been, uh, have experienced cyber um, attacks is uh, getting up towards the half 50% uh, mark. Um, and I think as that tips over, um, the, we are getting to a tipping point in the marketplace where cybersecurity becomes absolutely, well, not so much paramount, but it, a very, very important. Um, and I do think there's an element here where what you're saying is that uh, security becomes very important for the individual, becomes important for the corporation, um, and um, the... Um, adjudication as to who is right and who is wrong becomes back to the political will to um, uh, execute these things um, with the right amount of resources. And that, of course, uh, then brings us back to politics if the uh, criminal justice system isn't funded properly. Um, so um, the whole thing, you know, is, is circular. Um, and the only way it will all get sorted out is if there is an increase in growth and we all feel happier and everybody has more money. Um, and um, unfortunately, I don't see that but, happening. But we can't spend it on anything because there's no goods. True, true, true. Um, but we'll find something to do with it, Kieran. <laughs> Almost certainly. So are there any sort of other predictions that we haven't covered, Charles? Um there undoubtedly are. Um, I think from you know, the, the innovation perspective, um, it is going to be in the customer service area um, where um, the main elements of, of, of um, innovation w will hit us next year, whether it happens to be automated um, in terms of um, purchase and delivery or whether it happens to be in terms of customer service. I think automation is going to be a, a, a key aspect here. 
um, especially as it becomes more sophisticated. And I think that's an important aspect from the point of view of uh, businesses to look look out for. Pricing is still going to be a, um, a, a, a conundrum. Um, uh, how to improve your profit margins, um, how to mitigate that to some degree against selling more and more goods. So it may well be that we will see certain sectors have uh, go back to a, a, an inflationary scenario. Um, and for other organizations, uh, the, the pricing side will be the other way around as they're desperate to maintain cash flow. Um, and I think that will mean that more companies will go to the wall. Um, uh, I think um, similarly, I think education um, in terms of not only m marketing skills, but also an understanding of how to use all that will arise um, and be a uh, comfort to the marketplace and deliver it um, to a, a willing and interested customer base, I think is important. So, you know, there is money still uh, available to, to buy those new um products and services that will deliver a, a, a significant advantage, uh, whether it's in, ha in domestic or in business. Um, so uh, I'm quite eagerly looking at the Consumer Electronics Show, which is starting next, uh, sorry, this week in um, America, see what's going to come there, um, and also to obviously see what uh, Apple brings forward and the other big tech companies bring forward in the next few months. Yes, I think often we get caught up with the tech side of because um, Apple's bringing out some more glasses and things, aren't they? Um, but actually, a lot of the, the technology changes are in things like Japan pushing ahead in care, um, care robots um, and the push ahead yep. for things that are going to be incredibly useful for an aging population, but perhaps don't catch the headlines as much. Oh, yes. I think the other aspect that we ought to sort of really say is that most of the stuff that will have a major impact won't necessarily be what we would say is brand new, as in, you know, it's it's announced to the world this month and the result of which it has an impact this year. Um, what we're going to be talking about is, as you say, care robots that have been around in Japan in niche marketplaces for almost a decade. Um, and the result of which is that now they're starting to have significant implications because uh, the, the the depopulation of Japan has got to such a point um, that some villages are only populated by over 65s or even over 85s and they need the services mm. um, and it's going to have to be automated. And that is not unlike situations potentially going to happen in places like Italy. Um, and um, there are going to be other marketplaces around the world. The UK, obviously, is an example. Uh, how do we solve the social care uh, problem in the UK if we don't either import large numbers of migrant workers or automated? Um, and uh, you know, the political emphasis would undoubtedly be on automation. Charles, lovely as ever to talk to you. I think we're both actually concerned, but also quite excited about um, what's coming in the, ne in the next year. It's going to be another interesting ride, I suspect. Well, as you said earlier, it's a bright sunny day here, so I'm happy. Lovely to speak to you. Like and subscribe to this feed for more podcast content from Cambridge Marketing College.